Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. That's my wife. I almost called her mama right there in front of all of y'all. Hit that chord progression, mama. We got a piano at the house sitting right in our living room. And man, sweet melodies of the Lord are played on that piano all the time. If you would stand to your feet with me today. Oh my goodness. Can we just give it up for Jesus this morning? Can we thank Him? Hallelujah to His name. Man, where would we be, right? Where would we be? Where would we be? (laughs) Hmm. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing that breaks the heavy yoke of the bondages of sin off of our life. Come on and just let the Holy Spirit wash over you in this moment. I feel his presence in this room right now. This is how we thank the Lord. We lift up song to you by the life we live, by the words we say, by the actions we personify, how we parent our kids, how we love our spouses, how we treat those that don't necessarily look like us or talk like us. This is how we thank the Lord. We've been given much, so God, in return, we will love much. Come on, just tell them in your own words. You don't have to be loud. Just tell them in your own words right there how much he means to you. Come on, just tell him. We're going to take a minute here and just thank God. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Yeshua the Christ, thank you. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Everything I need is found in you, God. Everything I need, everything I could ever want is found in you, God. And this is how I thank the Lord. This is how. All of my deceptions, all of my duplicity, now there is no record Cause you assume the best of me And this is how I thank the Lord For saving me when I was weak So I will sing This is how I thank the Lord For everything This is how I thank the Lord You are good, and your mercy endures forever. You only know how to do good. You only give good gifts. Hallelujah to your name. Just give him one more hand clap of praise. Jesus, we love you. We adore your name. Hallelujah, we praise you. Man, what a good day. What a good day. So excited to get into the message today. We're going to be in the book of John chapter 4. I'm going to be very quick with the text here. We don't have a whole lot of time. I'm not going to keep you for very long at all. We've been in the book of John in our 21-day challenge. This is probably my favorite book of the Bible because of the lens that John has. John the Beloved. He saw himself as beloved by God. He knew that God loved him. And out of that, everything flowed. Everything in John's life was out of this love connection with Jesus. We're going to be in John 4, verses 5 through 52. Let me pray, and I'm going to have you sit down before I dive into this because it's a lot of reading. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. God, I pray that every person in here would have a true revelation of Jesus today. Old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to jump right in here. So just hold on tight. Follow along. The slides will go up on the screen. We're going to be in John 4, 
verses 5 through 52, and this is where we're going to begin. So we came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, we're in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Don't you love how Jesus talks in the first person? He just, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, this is how we know Jesus is who he says he is. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. I want you to take note of verses 11 and 12 there. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with in the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Here the Samaritan woman, just like the Pharisee so many times in the New Testament, simply cannot get past their past. Simply cannot move on from what they've known, what they've seen, what they've experienced. And he's telling her, I am the living water. And she here is still talking about the well that's in the finite, that's right in front of her. And God, many times, I think, is trying to speak to us fresh things, but we can't get past our past. Somebody say amen. In verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Okay, we're talking about water. Now you're talking to me about, you know, my, my affairs on the side. What is going on here, Jesus? Go call my husband. I'm talking about water. Guys, y'all can act like you're human in here today, okay? This is a little odd. They're talking about drinking water. Then he says, go call your husband. This is odd. I have no husband, she replied. And he says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mount, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come when the true worshipers will arise. Worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth in truth. So we're deep into this conversation. And through the 21-day challenge, that's what we've been doing. We've been having conversations with God, been reading his word, talking with him. God will always show up for the walk if you're willing to show up. In the beginning of time, we see God walking with Adam in the cool of the day. That's where God's trying to get us back to, to the walk with him. Will we show up for the walk? Day after day, time after time, as Pastor David taught uh, last week, this is a daily thing. This is an everyday kind of love. Every single day. So we're going to read a few more scriptures. A woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. As we move on here in the text, 
we'll see that the Samaritan woman goes back to the town. She leaves her water jar. She goes back to the town. She tells the story of Jesus. She invites the people of the town to meet the man that she met. And then they will encounter Jesus and follow him. The Bible says that they pleaded with Jesus, please don't go. We know you're on your way. You just stopped to get a drink, but please stay. And the Bible says Jesus stayed an extra two days. This is important to us because people that honor God's presence, he remains with them. He remains with them. When we're in worship and we truly soak in the moment and we see what God is really wanting to do, he remains. Will you show up for the walk like we talked about? That's all God wants to do is walk with you. He said it would be better if I went on through eternity, not alone, but with you. He sent Jesus so that this could happen. He didn't want to be alone. The Bible says if we don't cry out, the rocks would, right? The rocks will cry out and worship him. But still, he went out of his way by sending Jesus to save us. Today, we're going to talk about the light. The light, living in light of the light. There's a book that I love. Haven't got to read all of it yet. It's huge. About the life of a man named Leonard Ravenhill. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. He's an older uh, man from the UK that moved over to Texas in his latter years, taught the Bible, uh, connected with David Wilkerson, Times Square Church in New York City, all these different things. But there's a, uh, a biography written about him, and it's called In Light of Eternity. Everything this man did, he lived in light of eternity with an eternal perspective. And today, I want to shift our perspective to live in light of Jesus who is the light. So I'm going to tell you four ways that the Samaritan woman encountered the light that we should encounter the light. The first thing she did, she encountered Jesus and believed. The light of Jesus exposes us and calls us out, but it also brings us in. How many of y'all have Jesus just read your mail sometime? I mean, it's just... You know, he knows everything even before I ask. I feel it, you know, as soon as the moment comes, I feel exposed. I feel like that didn't feel good. But God doesn't just expose us. His light pulls and draws us in. And it drew this woman in who had five husbands, who was a Samaritan woman, who it was odd for Jesus to even be speaking to in this moment. He made her feel like she was the only person on the planet. She had met men, but she goes back to the town and says, I want you to meet a man. This is the Jesus we serve. He is the real deal. He is the true light. She encountered the light of Jesus and believed. She goes back to the town, tells her story of encountering the light. So when we encounter the light of Jesus, a true revelation of who Jesus is, we must then go and tell people about it. What you're going through in this 21-day challenge right now, you shouldn't keep to yourself. You shouldn't keep it to yourself. I love this verse in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. This was her life. This is a woman that was probably ashamed, beaten down, five husbands, women at this time in the culture, like they really weren't even supposed to be like talking to a man. It was very odd and weird. And Jesus breaks all the barriers by first talking to her. So let me tell you one thing, Jesus' light is not intimidated by your problems. 
It's not intimidated by the social constructs or how much money you make or how many marriages you've had or how many kids out of wedlock. It don't make a hill of beans to Jesus. He wants your soul. He wants you. You and me. It makes a lot more sense to me if Jesus would just take the 99 sheep he had and move on and leave the one. I have 99% of what I need. Why do I need to go back and get the one that doesn't listen anyway? Doesn't mind anyway. When I try to correct them, it doesn't work. This is not how Jesus thinks. He says, no, the 99 are fine, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find the one. I'm going to find the one nobody wants. I'm going to find the one that was overlooked. I'm going to find the one that has made mistakes. And I'm going to redeem them. This is the story of Jesus coming on the scene. This is why you see Jesus talking and referring back to Moses. But then he says, I am better. That was the law, but I am the fulfillment of those laws. Jesus is better. This is the light that I'm talking about today. It will expose you. You will feel it. But then he draws you in. How ashamed this woman must have felt. But when Jesus called her out, he immediately invites her into who he is. The Messiah you're talking about, I am he. She goes back and tells the whole town. These people... Are, are flipping out because it's the Messiah we've heard about. He's here and he's encountered this woman. Listen, I want you to understand something about your testimony, your personal testimony. Because I believe when these people heard this woman say that the Messiah wanted her, they say to themselves, well, if he wanted her, he'll want me. She's been through all of this. When you withhold your story from people, you keep them in chains. God has put you there to share what he's done for you so that it can be prophecy to them that God can change them. But when you keep it tied up and locked up, that's exactly where it'll stay. Isolated. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I don't want to tell people my story. Even though Jesus freed me, you know, I just keep it to myself. I'm not that type of person. Sorry. God is not concerned with your personality type or your Enneagram type. <laughs> we don't like that, do we? I know, I know what I am in the Myers-Briggs, personality test, Enneagram. I can tell you all that stuff. I can talk to lingo. It doesn't make a jack hill of beans to God. does not matter to Him. When I began worshiping the Lord and playing the guitar, I was so shy. I did not want to get up there. My voice was changing. I was about 11 or 12. It was weird. I sounded like Johnny Cash. And then, uh, and then uh, who sings really high? Maybe... Uh, Oh, maybe Prince, maybe get up to Prince level. It was odd, but the Lord said, Connor, look what I've done in your life. And then I, I would tell my testimony to my friends, and they'd come to church, give their life to Jesus. I'd see my whole football team on the front row. I'd see my family come. All of these things would begin happening, and I'm like, who cares how I feel about it? I'm sharing the light. I'm getting the word out. I'm going to be a city set on a hill. I don't have time to put it under a bucket. In the world in which we live, the light of Jesus needs to be shown as much as it possibly can. I don't need to tell you about the times we're living in. You see it on the news. You see it in social media. If you don't have social media, you got a friend that has social media that's telling you about how awful the world is. Jesus still reigns. Jesus is still on the throne. And until he comes back, he's looking for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's looking for a church that is worth marrying. Do you understand that? Without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, Connor. I got That's not what Jesus says about you. If you've been saved, he says, holy as I am holy, righteous as I am righteous. Well, I don't know if I can believe that. All this, man, and I am this way too, guys. When I say stuff like this, I am from this part of the world. We have to take all of this religious, southern Christianity that we have learned 
juxtaposed with what the Bible actually says about what we should be living and say, there is a more excellent way. Jesus' way is better. My systematic theology that I have formed on my own is not good enough. Just like the Pharisees wasn't good enough. I don't want Phariseeism all intertwined. He calls it leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees. That when it gets put under heat, that this is put into bread, and when it's baked, it all comes together. I'm ripping that leaven out. In prayer, God, I believe what you say about me over this, over that. I am believing your word. This is where we must get. So this woman encountered that. Her life was changed. It looked different. When you accept Jesus, you should look different. You should shine brighter. You should be bolder with your faith. I can remember when I was a young Christian, about 11 years old, and I would have my leaders coming up to me and saying, Man, Connor, you're just glowing with the fire of the Lord. And, and I would think to myself, wow, what does that even mean? That's kind of weird, glowing, wow. And many of us remember a time in our lives where we were on fire for the Lord. We were glowing. And now we have put a governor on our glow. We've put a governor on it. We dim it down. We pull it back. Because I don't want my light to expose something on somebody else. When you live for Jesus, there will be exposure where you don't even try to expose. That's just who you are. You can't help but glow when you're with Jesus during this challenge. People are going to see you glowing all the time, and you better just get ready for questions. What, man, what are you doing? Something's different about you. Don't, don't answer like this. Please, God, don't answer like this. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know. It must just be me. No, be ready to give a reason for why you glow. Tell them the story. Don't you think these Samaritan, uh, Samaritan people, they, they saw this woman looking different? They, they probably saw her walk into the village. Oh, that's a girl with five husbands, you know. She's, she don't hardly talk anyway. She comes running back. She doesn't have her water pot, and she's like, come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. And they probably thought to themselves, wow, this must really be awesome. So we want to encounter him. So she told her story of encountering the light. Then she invited others to meet the light. Are you inviting others to meet the light? When's the last time you invited somebody to go have coffee and just talk about Jesus? I talked to a young man Saturday. He was quizzing me about stuff about the Lord. He, you know, he was doing, a, doing something for school and... We were talking back and forth. This is about the funnest interview I've ever done. Because I myself have tried to poke holes in my in how I believe to make sure that I'm not believing something that I inherited, but I'm actually believing the Bible and what Jesus said. It's okay to question if it leads you back to Jesus. Don't start questioning God and let it lead you back to sin or what you want to do. Most of the time when God speaks to me, it's hit me in the side. Like, what, it's so funny. This is, the, this is the word picture literally came to my mind. So I'm just going to be transparent with y'all. So when I graduated, you know, when you graduate, you do sports, man, you're in shape. Wow, you're in shape. It's great. But then have a few kids, get married. I didn't grow up with the Brahms, so I had a lot of number fives with medium chocolate shake. Praise God. I think I had about two of those every day for about the first month I lived in Canyon. But then my kids would come up and they'll pinch my fat on my sides. And it's so tender. And it hurts so bad. It's unreal. I used to pinch my dad all the time. He'd be like, one of these days you're going to find out. And sure enough. But that's what it's like. Sometimes when God speaks to me, it's like, wow. But he pulls me in. Connor, I know you're doing this, but let me invite you something. Something better. Let me invite you higher. That's what our walk with the Lord is supposed to be. Glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. Then these people that were invited to meet the light, they encountered the light of Jesus and believed. So it starts with the woman 
which she was one of the very first preachers, in the Gospels was a woman, which is amazing, which I think God's giving us an invitation. Hey, this has gone public, okay? This has gone public. Encounter the light, Jesus, and believe. She told her story. She invited others, and then they encountered the light and believed. That's evangelism in a nutshell. When you encounter the light, tell somebody about the light you encountered, invite them in to meet the light, then watch them encounter the light. Once you bring them into the presence of God, there you go, them and the Lord. Let's see what happens. And I'm telling you, I've seen it time and time again. People, myself included, I was invited to church, and boom, that's all it took. So let me give you the characteristics of Jesus' light. So first, I've already talked about this. He exposes. He calls us out. God calls us out but brings us in. It's so beautiful. It's the scandal of grace. He has every right to call me out on every bit of thing I've ever done. But instead of casting me out, he just calls me out and brings me in. He illuminates. He shows us next steps. He brings clarity and meaning to our lives. You know, it is impossible, scientifically impossible to see without light. I'm going to break it down for you. When light hits the retina, a light-sensitive layer of tissue at the back of the eye, special cells called photoreceptors, turn the light into electrical signals. These signals travel from the retina through the optic nerve to the brain. Then the brain turns the signals into the images you see. What are you not seeing in the spirit because you got the lights off? No light, no sight. You cannot see my marriage. The shape of my marriage and how I parent my kids is formed by the light. How I pastor people, formed by the light. How I lead people in worship, formed by the light. How I talk to people I don't like, formed by the light. He brings shape and form to everything in our lives. And if you feel without purpose or without moving forward steps, you are walking with the lights off. No light, no sight. Are the lights off? In your day-to-day, -day, are the lights off? Let me tell you, this time, of, time and age, you, ain't, you cannot afford to walk with the lights off. You'll tiptoe into something, you'll be so messed up and twisted up. Now, the good shepherd, he's big enough to pull you out. But why continue to walk in the dark if the light is being shown to you this morning? No light, no sight. His light transmits. It is sent out and it is seen and it is felt by others. Man, I'm telling you, when my wife comes out of the, the prayer closet, it's like I should just hand her a pen, which she's already been journaling, but even more, I should hand her a microphone and just let her download to me what the Lord has told her. The same with me or anybody I encounter. You can tell when you have stepped into the supernatural realm and then stepped back into the natural. You feel that. How many of y'all in this challenge have felt that? Raise of hands. How many of y'all have felt that supernatural feeling? It's the Spirit of God. The Helper. The one that Jesus said, it's better if I go and I send Him. Him. He is a Him. He's not an it or a what or a thing. He's a He. Him, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Paraclete. This is the one I'm sending you. The Spirit of God. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. If you say, well, I don't know about that Holy Spirit thing. I believe in Jesus, but hmm, Holy Spirit. Ookie spooky, it ain't Halloween, Pastor Connor. Now, I'll be talking about no spirits up in here. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that's supposed to be walking with us. I went so long as a Christian not knowing that Jesus said it would be better if he leaves and he sends the Spirit. What? It's better if you go? All God? All man? Perfect in every way? Walking on water? Opening blind eyes? 
doing, turning water into wine. He can do everything. He said, it's better if I go and I send him. The Bible, y'all. The light of Jesus, the evangelist John Piper, apologist John Piper said, the light of Jesus is the brightness of God shining on the retina of the human soul. Through his light, my whole world is brought to life. Everything I see is formed by his light. Without his light, I have no picture, image, direction, or true perspective of what really is. You wonder why your perspective might be wrong about your life, your finances, your marriage, your kids, all these things. His light will bring form to those things if you allow it in. Now, like I said, it's going to expose you, but he's going to bring you in in the process. It's going to illuminate from your life so you can't hide in the shadows. People are going to know you're a follower of Jesus, but wouldn't it be worth it? This is what he does, man. He changes everything. We are born again. Born again, brand new. How many of y'all like uh, crockpot meals, right? How many of y'all like meals in the crockpot? I got the crockpot going at home right now with a little beef stew, praise God. It's a great day. It's cold. We're going to go home. My parents drove in, so we're going to go home and eat. It's going to be awesome. If I cut the crockpot off early because I'm hungry and I just want to eat it right now, the meat's not going to be tender. Vegetables aren't going to be done. It's going to be cold. If you get into this thing with the Lord and you want it to just be this microwave thing, you've signed up for the wrong thing. It will take time. His light through the years will expose things you didn't see at the, at the beginning. It's an ongoing journey. We are oaks of righteousness, the planet of the Lord. This is something that happens over time. Growing a tree doesn't happen overnight. So when you step into this light, God is not aloof to where you are. He's not aloof to that. He's inviting you in. And when you're born again, well, when I was born, I started as a baby, right? We start as children. And then through that process, we mature. Lindley He's been telling me and Taylor for the past year, I can't wait to be 16, Dad. She's not even seven yet. Good Lord, Lindley. But she's a go-getter, man. She just wants to get it done. She wants to get it done. And I like that about her. She's like, I want to be 16, Dad. You can no more grow spiritually faster than you want than Lindley wants to grow up to be 16 tomorrow. It's going to take time. And you better just commit to the process it's going to take time. Paul would call the church. He would, he would say in his salutations, in his uh, welcome letters, little children. He would talk to them. He would tell some of them, you're in need. Uh, uh, you want me, but you're in, you need milk. You're not ready for that. And so God is committed to our process with him if we'll just continue in the process with him. Will we continue in it? Once this challenge is over, the 21 days is over, will you realize that it really wasn't about you adhering to a challenge or to a set of principles called discipleship, but it was really you committing to the process to be conformed and transformed into the image of his dear son, Jesus? That's what it's about. Slowly being transformed and conformed into Jesus. Man. That's what it's about. We do these challenges, praise God for them. So many people have dove in. I've had friends tell me, I was suicidal. Tell me to my face, I was suicidal a month ago and depressed. I started doing this challenge. Man, I haven't had a suicidal, depressed thought since I've started. What? Just reading the Bible? It's more than just reading the Bible, right? So much more than that. We... uh. <laughs> If you're reading it, John, with us right now, Jesus can't be put into our devotional boxes. He will break out of any box you try to put him in. If you think he can't show up on your job, he's going to break that box. If you don't think he can show up uh, when you're in the line at Chicken Express or wherever it is, if you're going to Wendy's because they just remodeled and you're like, man, the food's got to be better now because they remodeled, he'll show up there wherever you're at. He cannot fit in a box. 
I love the story of the woman at the well because it tells to us that we're supposed to have a daily meeting at the true well, which is Jesus. Jesus coming is an announcement to us that old wells are dry and the true well is now on the scene, which is Jesus himself. The Bible says she left her water pot. She wasn't concerned about the, what the world could give her anymore. Wells are derived so that the water from the earth can come up. She said, I don't want an earthly well anymore. I don't want men. I've met a man and I've met the true well, so I'm not going back anymore. That's how we should be when we meet Jesus. Jesus stooped into Adam's delusion through the incarnation and blew it up from the inside out by living a perfect life and showing us we don't have to settle for just a normal existence, but we could live in a life that is enthused. We could live a life that is enthused in theos, in God. That's the kind of life I want to live. I want to be enthused at all times, knowing that God is with me. And not only is he with me, but because of what Jesus did now, he lives within me. And this spring of life that Jesus talked about now is welling up inside of me all the time. And you as well. You are a new creature, an adopted son or daughter of God. What slave wages are you settling for spiritually when you're called to be a son and daughter of God? What Jesus did in becoming like us is give us the grace to become like Him. His love shed abroad in our hearts. Karl Barth, a Swiss theologian of the early and mid-1900s, he was asked by a college student, What is the greatest truth you've ever known? You're wise. I want to ask you, you're a theologian, you study the scriptures inside and out. What is the greatest truth you've ever known? And this is what Karl Barth said in his latter years. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Out of all the revelation you could have given us, it's just about the love of God. That his love. Man, y'all, his love is better than you'll ever know. Even what you grasp and even the revelation we get in this moment, it's even deeper than that. Read Paul's letters. Beloved, I write to you. Beloved, beloved. We like talking about the harsh stuff that Paul talks about. Sticking it to us. Come on, yeah, crucify the flesh. Praise God for that. And I'm all for that. I'm all for that. We should deny ourselves. That's what Jesus said. Deny your cross or deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. But Paul over and over again says, Beloved, I write. Beloved, I write. John the beloved. If you don't understand God loves you, all the stuff you want to do, 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 you'll never, you'll never do it. You have to be fueled by love. You have to be fueled by the understanding and the knowledge that Jesus loves me. And if I know that Jesus loves me, I am now empowered to do everything Jesus called me to do and called me to be. I love this quote from Leonard Ravenel. I talked about him earlier. But he said, one day someone will pick up the Bible and truly believe it. And the rest of us will be put to shame. This is something that I read often because I, I try to tell myself, God... Tell me what you want to tell me through the scriptures. Not what I'm putting into the text. Not what I want out of the text. Not even how it applies to me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. The text should point us to Jesus before it points us to ourselves. How do I find my story in Jesus' story? Jesus' crucifixion is my crucifixion. Jesus' baptism is my baptism. All of these things, Jesus paved the way for us. Band, you can come up. I'm going to be closing with this, but man, today we are partakers in God's divine nature. 2 Peter 1 and 4 says, Through these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So that I can participate in divine nature.
Another scripture on light and having vision because of light. Luke eleven thirty four. If your eye is single, this word single in the Greek is haplous, braided, weaved, or plaited together. If your eye is single, your whole body will be filled with light. What is Luke saying here? If your eye is focused on, he is my one thing. He is my one thing. Not my season of life I'm in, not what I want, but he is my one thing. Then my whole body will be flooded with light. A single sight, a single mind, not tossed back and forth by the winds of doctrine or the news stations or what people think, but what did Jesus say about it? What does he think about it? I want to end today's message talking about the woman at the well. The early church called her Fotini. I don't know what her name was before they named her this, but once she met Jesus, they called her that, Fotini, which means the enlightened one. That after she met Jesus, the one word that they wanted to call this woman, in a myriad of words they could have named her, they said she is filled with light. Really, Connor, you think I could be like that? You think Jesus could love me that way? You don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what the people that I looked up to the most said about me, and that's really my identity. I want to tell you, if you don't find your identity in what Jesus has said about you, you're going to rely on your talents, what other people say, how you perform. And when that well dries up, you'll run to something else. The announcement of Jesus coming on the scene is that all old wells are dry in the presence of the one true well. He is the true well. She was enlightened. And stories go in her latter years, she would preach the gospel and her sons, one of her sons was in the Roman army. He was way up in the ranks and he didn't want to out his mom because he knew his mom was an evangelist and he knew Nero would have her killed. And Nero was, uh, was known for killing Christians in the most brutal ways you can imagine. The most brutal ways you can imagine. Breaking their bones while they were still alive. Skinning them alive. All of these things happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ long ago. And her son, Fotini's son, did not want to out her. But they came to him one day. And they said, we know your mom is preaching the way. She's a follower of the way. And if you tell her she keep it to herself, we're not going to kill her. And he says, okay, so he goes back and he tells his mom. And I would imagine the conversation went something like, Mom, they said they're going to kill you if you don't keep your faith under wraps. Come to find out she converts, converts him to Christianity. He's following Jesus now. He's a Roman uh, uh, official. He's in the army. And he goes back and tells them, I'm following Jesus. And so they said, all right, it's okay, but you got to keep it under wraps. So he goes back. Well, they couldn't keep it under wraps. They put them in prison, but prison could not hold them. They would sing and guards would come to know the Lord just as Paul did. And in their latter years, the son is brutally martyred. But Fotini, they tried breaking her bones. They tried killing her. None of it worked. Many came to know the Lord. And so Nero gave the command. She met him. She met Jesus at a well. Let's throw her down a well. In her latter years, they throw her down into the well. And stories go, until she died at the bottom of that well, she sang praises to God and many came to know the Lord. This was the woman at the well. The woman with five husbands. The woman that couldn't pick her head up. This was her. 
Is that you today? Are you so beaten down that you can't lift your head? That you don't know where to go? That if God doesn't do something today, you don't know what's going to happen. This is the God we serve. His light breaks into our darkness. It calls us out, but it brings us in. It illuminates and pushes out all around us until all of those that need the lighthouse come running to where safety is. You may be one of the 99 today, but I know there's ones out here. I know there's ones here that God wants to meet you today. You won't be making Jesus your Lord. He already is Lord of everything, but you will be accepting His Lordship. I want you to stand with me today. If you are like Fotini, I want you to really focus in on this moment. If you are like Fotini, the woman at the well, and all inferior wells are dried to you, and you're ready to meet the one that is the living water, the one that sits high above all principalities and powers and invites you in to know him. I want you to just come forward to the front right now. I just want you to walk up. We're going to end in worship. As I talk, if the Lord's moving on your heart, I just want you to come to the front. This woman was beaten down. She had nowhere to go. And she said, God, I'm putting my hope and my trust in you. These inferior wells have dried up. But today I'm following the one true God, the true light. This moment is special for you. This moment is not for us. If you want to meet the Lord this morning, come to the front. Come and worship Him at the front of the room. Don't hold back. This is part of the light exposing us, us getting past what people think so we can answer the call of God that He has on us. Make your way forward. We're going to just continue in worship. This is why I thank the Lord for saving me when I was weak. So I will sing. This is why I thank the Lord for everything. This is why I thank the Lord. He's moving on your heart. Come forward. All of my affection. We worship your name, Jesus. We worship your name, Jesus. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Anybody that's a ministry leader, if you would, just put hands on these people that have come forward. Everything I have to give. You are more. Some of my attention is measured in the praise I live. Oh, this is how. This is how I thank the Lord for saving Don't be ashamed. Move forward. Step out from your seat. Come forward. Let the light bring you forward today. Hallelujah. Come on, this is how we thank the Lord. Worship His name.
encounters of God are happening all in this room right now. If you need to come forward, come forward now. This is not something for me. This is something for you to say. I stepped out of where I was, and I'm moving into a location that is new to me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God wants to do. And he wants to take you to a new place today. Do you want to be born again today? Make your way forward. And I will sing, I will sing, I will lift my praises to you. I will sing, I will sing, I will lift my praises to you. I will sing, I will sing, I will lift my praises to you. I will sing, I will sing. Come on and worship Him. I will sing. Because this is why I thank the Lord. 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 Father, we thank you for this moment we thank you for what you are doing in our lives I want to let you know if you're having an encounter with the Lord we're not going to interrupt that even with the dismissal of service you just stay in this moment with the Lord we'll keep the piano going we'll go to the lobby and talk with one another amongst ourselves but Father we thank you that your spirit is with us today we don't have an inferior light. We don't have a lesser light than the disciples had. The light of the world stepped down into darkness and has shown us the marvelous light today. And I thank you for the souls that have been redeemed because of this marvelous light. Church, can we just thank Jesus for what he has done today? Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.